Book Five, Chapter Seven of Camilla. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Linda Velwest. Camilla, or A Picture of Youth by Fanny Burney. Book Five, Chapter Seven. A Recall. After two days passed with tolerable, though not natural, cheerfulness at the grove, Camilla was surprised by the arrival of the carriage of Sir Hugh with a short note from Eugenia. To Miss Camilla Tyrold, an incident has happened that overpowers me with sadness and horror. I cannot write. I send the chariot. Oh, come and pass an hour or two at Cleves with your distressed Eugenia. Camilla could scarcely stop to leave a message for Mrs. Alberry before she flew to the carriage, nor even inquire for her uncle at Cleves before she ran to the apartment of Eugenia, and, with a thousand tender caresses, desired to know what had thus cruelly afflicted her. "'Alas,' she answered, "'my uncle has written to Claremont to come over, and informed him with what view.' She then related that Indiana, the preceding day, had prevailed with Sir Hugh to let her go to the Middleton races, and she found he would be quite unhappy if she refused to be also of the party. That they had been joined by Bellamy on the race-ground, who only, however, spoke to Miss Margland, as Edgar, watchful and uneasy, scarce let him even see anyone else but the horses having taken fright while they were in a great crowd bellamy had persuaded miss margland to alight while the coach passed a terrible concourse of carriages and in that interval he had contrived to whisper a claim upon her tacit promise of viewing the chaise which was for ever to convey him away from her and though her engagement to edgar made her refuse he had drawn her she knows not herself how from her party and while she was angrily remonstrating and he seemed in the utmost despair at her displeasure edgar who had been at first eluded by being on horseback dismounted forced his way to her and almost carried her back to the coach leaving bellamy who she was sure had no sinister design nearly dead with grief at being unworthily suspected edgar she however added was fixed in believing he meant to convey her away, and Jacob, asserting he saw him purposely frighten the horses, had told his surmises to Sir Hugh, which he had corroborated by an account that the same gentleman had stopped to converse with her in her last return from Etherington. Sir Hugh, terrified, had declared he would no longer live without Claremont upon the spot, she had felt too much for his disturbance to oppose him at the moment, but had not imagined his plan would immediately be put into execution till, early this morning, he had sent for her and produced his letter of recall, which had taken him, he said, the whole night to compose and finish. Urged by surprise and dissatisfaction, she was beginning a little remonstrance, but found it made him so extremely unhappy that, in the fear of a relapse, she desisted, and, with a shock she knew not when she should overcome, saw the fatal letter delivered for the post. Camilla, with much commiseration, inquired if she had consulted with Edgar. 
yes she answered and he had extorted her permission to relate the whole transaction to her father though in a manner wide from justice to the ill-fated bellamy whose design might be extraordinary but whose character she was convinced was honourable camilla whose education though private had not like that of eugenia been secluded and studious was far less credulous than her sister though equally artless she knew too with regard to this affair the opinion of edgar and to know and be guided by it was imperceptibly won she declared herself therefore openly against bellamy and made her motives consist in a commentary upon his proceedings eugenia warmly defended him declaring the judgment of camilla and that of all her friends to be formed in the dark for that none of them could have doubted a moment his goodness or his honour had they seen the distracted suffering that was marked in his countenance and what cried camilla says my father to all this he says just what edgar says he is all that is kind and good but he has never beheld bellamy how then should he know him a message came now from sir hugh to camilla that he would see her before she went but that he was resting at present from the fatigue of writing a letter he sent her however with his love the foul copy to amuse her till she could come to him to clarent lindmere esq dear nephew i have had a very dangerous illness and the doctors themselves are all surprised that i recovered but a greater doctor than them was pleased to save me for which i thank god but as this attack has made me think more than ever i thought before i am willing to turn my thoughts to good account now as i have not the gift of writing at which thank god i have left off repining from the reason of its great troublesomeness in acquiring i can't pretend to anything of a fine letter but shall proceed to business my dear clermont i write now to desire you would come over out of hand which i hope you won't take unkind foreign parts being no great pleasure to see in comparison of old england besides which i have another apology to offer which is having a fine prize in view for you which is the more essential owing to some unlucky circumstances in which i did not behave quite as well as i wish though very unwillingly which i mention to you as a warning however you have no need to be cast down for this prize was set all right and make you as rich as a lord at the same time that you are as wise as a philosopher and as learning though i have the proper respect for it won't serve to make the pot boil you must needs be glad of more substantial fuel for there's no living upon air however you students may affect to think eating mere gluttony now this prize is no other than your cousin eugenia tyrold whom i don't tell you is a beauty but if you are the sensible lad i take you for you won't think the worse of her for wanting such frail perfection besides we should not be too nice amongst relations for if we are what can we expect from the wide world so i beg you to come over with all convenient speed for fear of her falling a prey to some sharper 
many such being to be found, especially at horse-races, and so forth. I remain, dear nephew, your affectionate uncle, Hugh Tyrold. Eugenia, from motives of delicacy and of shame, declined reading the copy as she had declined reading the letter, but looked so extremely unhappy that Camilla offered to plead with her uncle and use her utmost influence that he would countermand the recall. No, answered she, no. Tis a point of duty and gratitude, and I must bear its consequences. She was now called down to Mr. Tyrold. Camilla accompanied her. He told her he had gathered from the kind zeal and inquiries of Edgar that Bellamy had certainly laid a premeditated plan for carrying her off if she went to the races, which, as the whole neighborhood was there, might reasonably be expected. Eugenia, with fervor, protested such wickedness was impossible. "'I am unwilling, my dear child,' he answered, "'to adulterate the purity of your thoughts and expectations by inculcating suspicions. But, though nature has blessed you with an uncommon understanding, remember, in judgment you are still but fifteen, and in experience but a child.' One thing, however, tell me candidly, is it from love of justice, or is it for your happiness you combat thus ardently for the integrity of this young man? For my justice, sir, she said firmly. And no latent reason mingles with and enforces it? None, believe me, save only what gratitude dictates. If your heart then is your own, my dear girl, don't be uneasy at the letter to Claremont. Your uncle is the last man upon earth to put any constraint upon your inclinations, and need I add to my dearest Eugenia, I am the last father to thwart or distress them. Resume, therefore, your courage and composure, be just to your friends, and happy in yourself. Reason was never thrown away upon Eugenia. Her mind was a soil which received and naturalized all that was sown in it. She promised to look forward with more cheerfulness, and to dwell no longer upon this agitating transaction. Edgar now came in. He was going to Beech Park to meet Bellamy. He was charged with a long message for him from Sir Hugh, and an order to inform him that his niece was engaged, which, however, he declined undertaking without first consulting her. This was almost too severe a trial of the duty and fortitude of Eugenia. She colored and was quitting the room in silence, but presently, turning back, "'My uncle,' she cried, "'is too ill now for argument, and he is too dear to me for opposition. Say, then, just what you think will most conduce to his tranquillity and recovery.' Her father embraced her. Camilla shed tears, and Edgar, in earnest admiration, kissed her hand. She received their applause with sensibility, but looked down with a secret deduction from its force, as she internally uttered, "'My task is not so difficult as they believe. Touched as I am with the constancy of Bellamy, it is not Melman who loves me. It is not Melman I reject.' Edgar was immediately setting off, but stopping him, "'One thing alone, I beg,' she said. "'Do not communicate your intelligence abruptly. 
soften it by assurances of my kind wishes yet to prevent any deception any future hope say to him if you think it right that i shall regard myself henceforward as if already in that holy state so sacred to one only object she blushed and left them followed by camilla if born but yesterday cried mr tyrold with his eyes glistened she could not be more perfectly free from guile yet that said edgar is but half her praise she is perfectly free also from self she is made up of disinterested qualities and liberal sensations to the most genuine simplicity she joins the most singular philosophy and to knowledge and cultivation the most uncommon adds all the modesty as well as innocence of her extreme youth and inexperience mr tyrold subscribed with frankness to this just praise of his highly valued daughter and they then conferred upon the steps to be taken with bellamy whom neither of them scrupled to pronounce a mere fortune-hunter all the inquiries of edgar were ineffectual to learn any particulars of his situation he said he was travelling for his amusement but he had no recommendation to any one though by being constantly well dressed and keeping a shoey footman he had contrived to make acquaintance almost universally in the neighbourhood mr tyrold determined to accompany edgar to beech park himself and there in the most peremptory terms to assure him of the serious measures that would ensue if he desisted not from his pursuit he then went to take leave of camilla who had been making a visit to her uncle and was returning to the grove he had seen with concern the frigid air with which edgar had bowed to her upon his entrance and with compassion the changed countenance with which she had received his formal salutation his hope of the alliance now sunk and so favoured a wish could not be relinquished without severe disappointment yet his own was immaterial to him when he looked at camilla and saw in her expressive eyes the struggle of her soul to disguise her wounded feelings he now regretted that she had not accompanied her mother abroad and desired nothing so earnestly as any means to remove her from all intercourse with mandelbert he seconded therefore her speed to be gone happy she would be placed where exertion would be indispensable and gently yet clearly intimated his wish that she should remain at the grove till she could meet edgar without raising pain in her own bosom or exciting suspicions in his cruelly mortified she silently acquiesced he then said whatever was most kind to give her courage but dejected by her conscious failure and afflicted by the change in edgar she returned to mrs arlbury in a state of mind the most melancholy and here nothing could be less exhilarating nor less seasonable than the first news she heard the regiment of general kinsale was ordered into kent in the neighbourhood of tunbridge it was the season for drinking the water of that spring and mr dennell was going thither with his daughter sir sedley clarendell conceived it would be serviceable also to his own health and had suddenly proposed to mrs Alberry forming a party to pass a few weeks there 
with a vivacity always ready for any new project she instantly agreed to it and the journey was settled to take place in three days when camilla was informed of this intended excursion the disappointment with which it overpowered her was too potent for disguise and mrs albury was so much struck with it that during coffee she took sir sedley apart and said i feel such concern for the dismal alteration of that sweet girl that i could prevail with myself all lovelorn as she is to take her with me to tunbridge if you will aid my hearty enterprise of driving that frozen composition of premature wisdom from her mind if you are not as invulnerable as himself you cannot refuse me this little slight of gallantry sir sedley gave a laughing assent declaring at the same time with the strongest professed diffidence his conscious inability mrs albury in high spirits said she scarce knew which would most delight her to mortify edgar or restore camilla to gaiety and independence yet she would watch she said that matters went no further than just to shake off a whining first love for the last thing upon earth she intended was to entangle her in the second camilla received the invitation with pleasure yet anxiety for though glad to be spared returning to cleves in a state of disturbance so suspicious she was bitterly agitated in reflecting upon the dislike of edgar to mrs albury the pains he had taken to prevent her mingling with this society and the probably final period to his esteem and good-will that would prove the result of her accompanying such a party to a place of amusement End of chapter 7